0: This sermon was preached by John Flavel in the year of sixteen seventy one. Christ in His essential and primeval glory. Then I was by Him as one brought up with Him, and I was daily His delight, rejoicing always before Him. Proverbs chapter eight verse thirty. These words are part of that excellent commendation of wisdom, by which in this book Solomon intends two things: first. Grace or holiness, Proverbs 4 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Secondly, Jesus Christ, the fountain of that grace. And look, as the former is renowned for its excellency, Job 28 14 and 15, so the latter, in this context, wherein the Spirit of God describes the most blessed state of Jesus Christ, the wisdom of the Father, from those eternal delights he had with his Father, before his Assumption. Of our nature. Then was I by him, and was wholly swallowed up and spent in unspeakable delights and pleasures, which delights are twofold. Number one, the Father and the Son delighted one in another, from which delights the Spirit is not excluded, without communing that, their joy, to any other, for no other creature did then exist save in the mind of God. Verse 30. Number two, they delighted in the salvation of men in the prospect of that work, though not yet extant, verse 31. My present business lies in the former, the mutual delights of the Father and Son, one with and in another. The account whereof we have in the text, wherein consider. Number one, the glorious condition of the non-incarnated Son of God, described by the person with whom his fellowship was, then was I by him, or with him, so with him as never was any, in his bosom. John one eighteen, The only begotten Son was in the bosom of the Father, an expression of the greatest dearness and intimacy in the world, as if he should say, enwrapped up in the very soul of his Father, embosomed in God. Number two, the fellowship is illustrated by a metaphor wherein the Lord will stoop to our capacities as one brought up with him. The Hebrew word is sometimes rendered a cunning workman or curious artist, as in Canticles chapter 7, verse 1, which is the same word. And indeed, Christ showed himself such an artist in the creation of the world. For all things were made by him, and without him there was nothing made that was made, John chapter 1, verse 3. But Montanus and others render it nutritious, and so Christ is here compared to a delightful child sporting before its father. The Hebrew root, which our translation renders rejoicing before him, signifies to laugh, play, or rejoice. So that, look as parents delight to see their children sporting before them, so did the father delight in beholding his darling son of his bosom. Number three, this delight is farther amplified by the perpetuity of and uninterruptedness thereof. I was day by day his delight, rejoicing always before him. These delights of the Father and the Son, one in another, knew not a moment's interruption or diminution. Thus did these great and glorious persons mutually let forth their fullest pleasure and delight, each into the heart of the other. They lay, as it were, embosomed one in another, entertaining themselves with delights and pleasures ineffectable. And inconceivable. Hence, we observe: Doctrine, that the condition and state of Jesus Christ before his incarnation was a state of the highest and most unspeakable delight and pleasure in the enjoyment of his Father. John tells us he was in the bosom of the Father. To lie in the bosom is the posture of dearest love. John 13:23. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. But Christ did not lean upon the father's bosom as that disciple did in his, but lay in it. And therefore, in Isaiah 42, verse one, the father calls him mine elect in whom my soul delights, which is variously rendered in the Septuagint, whom my soul takes or wraps up, others one that highly pleases and delights my very soul. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse nine, he is said in this estate, wherein I'm now describing to be rich. And Philippians chapter two, verse seven, to be equal with God and to be in the form of God, to have all the glory and ensigns of the majesty of God. And the riches that he speaks of was no less than all that God the Father has, John chapter 16, verse 14. All that the Father has is mine. And what he has now in his exalted state is the same he had before his humiliation, John seventeen five. Now to sketch out, as we are able, the unspeakable felicity of that state of Christ while he lay in that blessed bosom, I shall consider it three ways, negatively, positively, and comparatively. Number one, let us consider that state negatively. By removing from it all those degrees of abasement and sorrow which his incarnation brought him under, as first, he was not then abased to the condition of a creature, which was a low step indeed, and that which upon the matter undid him in point of reputation. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. It emptied him of his glory. For God to be made man, in such an abasement as none can express, but then not only to appear in true flesh, but also in the likeness of sinful flesh, as Romans chapter 8, verse 3. Oh, what is this? Secondly, Christ was not under the law in that estate. I confess it was no disparagement to Adam in the state of his innocence, to angels in the state of their glory, to be under the law of God. But it was an inconceivable abasement to the absolute independent being to come under the law. Yes, not only under the obedience, but also under the maldiction and curse of the law. Galatians chapter four, verse four. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law. Thirdly, in this state He was not liable to any of those sorrowful consequences and attendance of that frail and feeble state of humanity, which He did afterwards assume with nature. As number one, He was unacquainted with griefs. There was no sorrowing and sighing in the bosom where He lay, though afterwards He became a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Isaiah 53, three. A man of sorrows, as if he had been constituted and made up of pure, unmixed sorrows, every day conversing with griefs as with his intimate companion and acquaintance. Number two, he was never pinched with poverty and wants while he continued in that bosom, as he was afterwards. When he said, "The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head," Matthew 8:20. Ah, blessed Jesus! You need not have wanted a place to lay your head, had you not left that bosom for my sake. Number three, he never underwent reproach and shame in that bosom. There was nothing but glory and honor reflected upon him by his father, though afterwards he was despised and rejected of men. Isaiah 53, 3. His father never looked upon him without smiles and love, delight and joy, though afterwards he became a reproach of men and despised of the people. Psalm 22, verse 6. Number four, his holy heart was never offended with an impure suggestion or temptation of the devil. All the while he lay in that bosom of peace and love. He never knew what it was to be assaulted with temptations, to be besieged and battered upon by unclean spirits as he did afterwards. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. It was for our sakes that he submitted to those exercises of spirit, to be in all points tempted like we are, that he might be unto us a merciful and faithful high priest. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Number five, he was never sensible of pains and tortures in soul and body. There were no such things in that bosom where he lay, though afterwards he groaned and sweat under them. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. The Lord embraced him from eternity, but never wounded him until he stood in our place and room. Number six, there were no hidings or withdrawings of his father from him. There was not a cloud from eternity upon the face of God until Jesus Christ had left that bosom. It was a new thing to Christ to see frowns in the face of his father, a new thing for him to cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. Number seven, there were never any impressions of his father's wrath upon him as there were afterwards. God never delivered such a bitter cup into his hands before as there was. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Lastly, there was no death to which he was subject in that bosom. All these things were new things to Christ. He was above them all until for our sakes, he voluntarily subjected himself unto them. Thus you see what that state was not number 2 let us consider it positively what it was and guess by some particular considerations for indeed we can but guess at the glory of it as number 1 we cannot but conceive it to be a state of matchless happiness if we consider the persons enjoying and delighting in each other he was with god john chapter 1 verse 1 god you know is the fountain ocean and center of all delights and joys psalm 16:11 In your presence is fullness of joy. To be enwrapped up in the soul and bosom of all delights as Christ was must needs be a state of transcending apprehension. To have the fountain of love and delight letting out itself so immediately and fully and everlastingly upon this only begotten darling of his soul, so as it never did communicate itself to any. Judge what a state of transcendent felicity this must be. Great persons have great delights. Number two, or if we consider the intimacy, dearness, yes, oneness of those great persons one with another. The nearer the union, the sweeter the communion. Now Jesus Christ was not only near and dear to God, but one with him. I and my Father are one, John 10, 30. One in nature, will, love, and delight. There is indeed a moral union of souls among men by love. But this was a natural oneness. No child is so one with his father. No husband so one with the wife of his bosom. No friend so one with his friend. No soul so one with its body, as Jesus Christ and his Father were one. Oh, what matchless delights must necessarily flow from such a blessed union. Number three, consider again the purity of that delight with which the blessed Father and Son embraced each other. The best creature delights one in another are mixed, debased, and allayed. If there be something ravishing and engaging, there is also something coying and distasteful. The purer any delight is, the more excellent. Now there are no crystal streams flowing so purely from the fountain, no beams of light so unmixed from the sun as the loves and delights of these holy and glorious persons were. The holy, holy, holy Father embraced the thrice-holy Son, with a most holy delight and love. Number four, consider the constancy of this delight. It was from everlasting, as in verse 23, and from eternity. It never suffered one moment's interruption. The overflowing fountain of God's delight and love never stopped its course, never ebbed, but as he speaks in the text, I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him. Once more, consider the fullness of that delight, the perfection of that pleasure. I was delights. So the word is in its original. Not only plural, delights, all delights, but also in the abstract, delight itself. As afterwards, from the abundance of his sorrows, he is called a man of sorrows. So here, from the fullness of his delights, as though you should say, even constituted and made up of pleasure and delight. Number three, once more, let us consider it comparatively, and this state still yet appear more glorious, comparing it with either the choicest delights that one creature takes in another, or that God takes in the creature, or that the creatures take in God. Measure these immense delights between the Father and His Son by either of these lines, and you shall find them infinitely short. For number one, though the delights that creatures take in each other be sometimes a great delight such was jacob's delight in benjamin whose life is said to be bound up in the lad's life a dear and high expression genesis chapter 44 verse 30 such was that of jonathan and david whose soul was knit with his soul and he loved him as his own soul 1 samuel 13:1 and such is the delight of one friend in another there is a friend that is as a man's own soul. Deuteronomy thirteen six. Yet all this is but creature delight and can in no particular equal the delights between the Father and the Son. For this is but a finite delight according to the measure and abilities of creatures. But that is infinite, suitable to the infinite perfection of the divine being. This is always mixed, that perfectly pure. Number two, Or if you compare it with the delight that God takes in the creatures, it is confessed that God takes great delight in some creatures. The Lord takes pleasure in His saints. He rejoices over them with singing and rests in His love. Saffroni chapter 3 verse 17, Isaiah chapter 62 verse 5. But yet, there is a great difference between His delight in creatures and His delights in Christ. For all his delight in the saints is secondary, and for Christ's sake. But the delights in Christ are primary, and for his own sake. We are accepted in the beloved, Ephesians 1.6. He is beloved, and accepted for himself. Number three, to conclude, compare it once more with the delights that the best of creatures take in God and Christ, and it must be confessed that it is a choice delight and a transcendent love with which they love and delight in Him. Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but you? And on earth there is none a desire besides you. What pangs of love, what raptures of delight did the spouse express to Christ? O you whom my soul loves! But surely our delight in God is no perfect rule to measure His delight in Christ by. For our love to God, at the best, is still imperfect. That is, the burden and constant complaint of saints. But this is perfect. Ours is inconstant, up and down, ebbing and flowing. But this is constant. So then, to conclude, the condition and state of Jesus Christ before his incarnation was a state of the highest and matchless delight in the enjoyment of his Father. The uses follow. Use of information. Inference number one. What an astonishing act of love was this then. For the Father to give the delight, the darling of His soul, out of His very bosom for poor sinners. All tongues must needs pause and falter that attempt the expressions of His grace. Expressions being here swallowed up. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. John 3.16 So loved them. How did He love them? Nay, here you must excuse the tongues of angels, which of us would deliver a child the child of his delights, an only child to death for the greatest inheritance in the world. What tender parent can endure a parting pull with such a child? When Hagar was taking her last leave as she thought of Ishmael, Genesis twenty-one sixteen, the text says, she went and sat over against him a good way off, for she said, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. Though she were none of the best of mothers, nor he the best of children, yet she could not give up the child. Oh, it was hard to part! What an outcry did David make, even for Absalom, wishing he had died for him! What a hole, as I may say, has the death of some children made in the hearts of some parents, which will never be closed up in this world! Yet surely never did any child lie so close to a parent's heart as Christ did to his father's, and yet he willingly parts with him, though his only one, the son of his delights, and that to death, a cursed death, for sinners, for the worst of sinners. Oh, the admirable love of God to men, matchless love, a love past finding out. Let all men, therefore, in the business of their redemption, give equal glory to the Father with the Son. John 5, 23. If the Father had not loved you, he had never parted with such a son for you. Inference number two. From one wonder, let our souls turn to another. For they are now in the midst of wonders. Adore and be forever astonished at the love of Jesus Christ to poor sinners. That ever he should consent to leave such a bosom and the ineffable delights that were there. For such poor worms as we are. Oh, the heights, depths, lengths, and breadths of the unmeasurable love. O.C. Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. Read and wonder, how is the love of Christ commended in ravishing circumstances to poor sinners? You would be loath to leave a creature's bosom, a comfortable dwelling, a fair estate for the best friend in the world. Your souls are loath to leave their bodies, though they have no such great content here. But which of you, if ever you found by experience what it is to be in the bosom of God by divine communion, would be persuaded to leave such a bosom for all the good that is in the world. And yet Jesus Christ, who was embraced in that bosom after another manner than ever you were acquainted with, freely left it and laid down the glory and riches he enjoyed there for your sakes. And as the Father loved him, even so, believers, has he loved you. John seventeen twenty two. What manner of love is this? Whoever loved as Christ loves, whoever denied himself for Christ as Christ denied himself for us. Inference number three, hence we are informed that interest in Jesus Christ is the true way to all spiritual preferment in heaven. Do you covet to be in the heart, in the favor and delight of God? Get interest in Jesus Christ and you shall presently be there. What old Israel said of the children of his beloved Joseph, your children are my children, the same God says of all the dear children of Christ. Genesis 48, verses 5 and 9. You see among men, all things are carried by interest. Persons rise in this world as they are befriended. Preferment goes by favor. So it is in heaven. Persons are preferred according to their interest in the beloved. Ephesians 1, 9. Christ is the great favorite in heaven. His image upon your souls and His name in your prayers make both accepted with God. Inference number four, how worthy is Jesus Christ of all our love and delights. You see how infinitely the Father delights in Him, how He ravishes the heart of God, and shall He not ravish our hearts? I present you a Christ this day, able to ravish any soul, that will but view and consider Him. Oh, that you did but see this lovely Lord Jesus Christ! Then would you go home sick of love? Surely He is a drawing Savior. John twelve thirty two. Why do you lavish away your precious affections upon vanity? None but Christ is worthy of them. When you spend your precious affections upon other objects, what is it but to dig for dross within golden mattocks? The Lord direct our hearts into the love of Christ. Oh, that our hearts, loves, and delights did meet and center with the heart of God in the most blessed object. Oh, let him that left God's bosom for you be embosomed by you, though yours be nothing to God's. He that left God's bosom for you deserves yours. Inference number five. If Christ be the beloved darling of the Father's soul, you think what a grievous and insufferable thing it is to the heart of God to see his dear son despised slighted and rejected by sinners truly there is no such cut to the heart of god in the whole world unbelievers trample upon god's darling tread underfoot him that eternally lay in his bosom hebrews 10:29 smite the apple of his eye and how god will bear this that parable matthew 21:37 to 40 will inform you surely he will miserably destroy such wretched sinners If you would study to do God, the greatest despite, there is none like this. What a dismal word is that. 1 Corinthians 16.22 If any man love not the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be anathema, maranatha. Let the great curse of God lie upon that man until the Lord come. O sinners, you shall one day know the price of this sin. You shall feel what it is to despise a Jesus that is able to compel love from the hardest heart. Oh, that you would slight him no more. Oh, that this day your hearts might fall in love with him. I tell you, if you would set your love to sail, none bids so fair for it as Christ. Number two, use of exhortation. One, to saints, if Christ lay eternally in this bosom of love and yet was content to forsake and leave it for your sakes, then be ready to forsake and leave all the comforts you have on earth for Christ. Famous Galatius left all for this enjoyment. Moses left all the glory of Egypt. Peter and the apostles left all, Luke 18:28. But what have we to leave for Christ in comparison of what he has left for us? Surely Christ is the highest pattern of self-denial in the world. Let this confirm your faith in prayer. If he that has such an interest in the heart of God intercede with the Father for you, then never doubt of audience and acceptance with him. Surely you shall be accepted through the beloved. Ephesians one six. Christ was never denied anything that he asked. John 11.42 The Father hears him always. Though you are not worthy, Christ is, and he ever lives to make intercession for you. Hebrews 7.25 Number three, let this encourage your heart, O saint, in a dying hour, and not only make you patient in death, but in a holy manner, impatient until you be gone. For where is your soul now going, but to that bosom of love whence Christ came? John seventeen twenty four. Father, I will that they also, whom you have given me, be with me where I am. And where is he, but in that bosom of glory and love, where he lay before the world was? Verse five. Oh, then let every believer encourage his soul, comfort you one another with these words, I'm leaving the bosom of a creature, I'm going to the bosom of God. Number two, to sinners, exhorting them to embrace the bosom son of God. Poor wretches, whatever you are or have been, whatever guilt or discouragement at present you lie under, embrace Christ who is freely offered to you and you shall be as dear to God as the holiest and most eminent believer in the world. But if you still continue to despise and neglect such a Savior, sore wrath is treasured up for you than other sinners, even something worse than dying without mercy, Hebrews ten twenty-eight. 28. Oh, that these discoveries and overtures of Christ may never come to such a fatal issue with any of your souls, in whose eyes His glory has been this day opened.